Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackedSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush, we will be your therapists here for today. Uh, Phil, how you doing? Uh, good. And actually, I'm going to blame you, Joe, because you're the one that had to ask, would Wisconsin storm if they beat us? And fate was like, you know what? Let's find out. So, yeah. you know, this is on you, Joe. It's it's a tough it's it? tough tough to take responsibility, but we we need to be responsible for our mistakes. Uh, okay, yeah. Probably should have never asked. Probably should not have asked. But yeah, that was a rough one on Saturday. So we're going to talk about what the heck happened in the game against Wisconsin Badgers. We're going to look forward any on the we're going to rate the concern scale after that one, overreaction, underreaction, and of course we'll talk about the games ahead against uh, Texas uh, and Notre Dame. But Phil, I'll just ask, start with the simple question: What the heck happened? Oh man. Um, well, first of all, you know, and this is where I take some responsibility. I- Maybe Wisconsin was was better than than I really gave them credit for, right? Like, I mean, Ken Palm has them as the number sixteenth ranked team in the country. Um, so, like, I guess we maybe overhyped how how dominant Marquette should be against them. But um, yeah, I, I don't know how much how much of that do you think was a Wisconsin win, and how much of that was Marquette just did not play their game? Boy, it, it's. Tough to say. I mean, you, you have to give Wisconsin a lot of credit because they made Marquette play their game. Um, they, 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 I mean, they slowed the pace and they were able to be very methodical on offense and get a, just a ton of rebounds. But uh, you have to point to some things Marquette did wrong as well. You know, we talk about the four factors on Ken Palm and how they play into your likelihood to win the game. And those four factors, for those a little newer to it, effective field goal percentage, which is basically your field goal percentage with bonus points if you hit threes, how often you turn the ball over, your offensive rebound percentage, both how many offensive rebounds you give and how many offensive rebounds you allow, and your free throw rate, how often you get to the free throw line. And that offensive rebounding number, it was bad coming into the game. And I guess maybe we glazed over it a little not just a little bit, we did simply glaze over it as we were analyzing Marquette through the first six games and I think part of the reason for that, Phil, was yeah, if when half of your games are against uh, Adem Bona and Hunter Dickinson and Zach Eady maybe those numbers are going to be slighted a little bit not that we ever thought Marquette would be an awesome rebounding team this year, but my hope was that they weren't as bad as the statistics showed. Right, yeah but on Saturday they showed they might actually be worse. Well, and they, it was, I mean, disaster from a rebounding perspective. I mean, there was one series in the second half when Marquette was trying to to really make a comeback where they gave up four offensive rebounds in a single, in a single uh, set at one end of the floor. That's, that's real bad. Wisconsin had 15 offensive rebounds. Marquette had 16 defensive rebounds right now now, by definition offensive rebounds are much harder to get that's why they're so critical to critical to success just because you know where players are positioned and whatnot but um when wisconsin gets as many offensive when your opponent gets as many offensive almost as many offensive rebounds as you get defensive rebounds that is a recipe for disaster because by definition an offensive rebound 
extends the possession. It gets you an extra shot, right? Right. No matter what your field goal percentage is, if you take more shots than your opponents, you or you get some extra shots anyway, you're going to stand a better chance to win. When you give Wisconsin that many extra shots, you're begging for punishment. Yeah, that that four re, four offensive rebound uh, possession in the second half, Phil, that just felt like a death blow. As Marquette had chipped, you know, chipped into a big lead, Wisconsin was up like their biggest lead was what sixteen. Yeah, and Marquette got it down to with a possession or two. Yeah, they got it within like, one really, point. Within one point. Yeah. And then you just keep giving up offensive rebounds, and that like you circle that in bright red ink as the reason Marquette was not able to beat Wisconsin is they just did not rebound at all, and maybe that's going to be a big issue going forward. Because again, I don't think we ever thought this would be a great rebounding team. We thought hopefully they would be a little better this year, because um, as it you know as it looks like, say Ben Gold has bulked up and his he gets more rebounds and more minutes, maybe that would help the rebounding numbers overall, and as Oso and Joplin continue to just improve in general, you just hope maybe the team is just a little bit better offensive, just rebounding team than it was a year ago, but there's there's no sugarcoating it, Phil. They were just uh, obliterated on the glass on Saturday, and that is a one of two huge reasons, probably far away the number one reason, uh, the other being three-point shooting. We'll get to that in a minute, but um, when you just get destroyed on the glass like that, you don't win many of those games. Yeah, and you know, and we've talked about rebounds, you know, because like you said, I mean, this is that's kind of the um, Shaka at Marquette Achilles heel, right? Like, Marquette is just not going to be I, I don't even think they're an adequate rebounding team. They're a you know, they're a below average rebounding team. Now, their offense and their defense can at times not not at times, a lot of times, makes up for that deficiency but you know, if if either of those two things isn't going the way you want, that that rebounding issue becomes more and more of a more and more of a problem, and it becomes harder and harder to overcome. So, you know, it, it it's baked into the pie. But I think part of the thing with 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 rebounding is effort, and and I thought overall the team like this was not the confident swaggery team that we saw most of last year and all of this year so far, right? Like that was, they were fumbling with balls. They were, they were not making rebounds. They were not being aggressive on the boards. Like it was low energy. Like it just, it didn't feel like the same, you know, we'll say culture. And I think that contributed to the rebounds because the rebounds were really, you know, they were there for the taking, but nobody, you know, had the energy or the aggressiveness to go get those rebounds. And Wisconsin did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they they aggressively pursued those rebounds, and they got them, a lot of them. You know, I know our friend over at Anonymous Eagle says, rebounding margin isn't a thing, and perhaps it's not as far as how many rebounds they grab overall. Um, but that margin was 38 overall to 23. But again, the glaring thing is offensive rebounds. Marquette gave up 15. They only grabbed seven. And again, 15 offensive rebounds for Wisconsin, 16 defensive rebounds for Marquette. So in other words, another way to look at that, Phil, Wisconsin for the entire game was 23 of 54 from the field. So they missed 31 shots. They grabbed almost half of those offensive rebounds. Of their 31 missed shots, they got 15 of those offensive rebounds. 
Right. Right. And and, and again, you know, so the defense, like, I know it feels like the defense isn't wasn't good, right? Because they gave up, you know, 75 points to Wisconsin. But to your point, the initial defense, the first 30 seconds of the shot clock, it was what you needed, right? Like, if you take away, even if you assume all of the, you know, you take away those 15 offensive boards and and say, okay, those are wiped out so they don't get any additional shots and those additional shots were misses. Like, the offense was adequate and, or the defense was adequate enough to get the stops. They just didn't complete the sequence in trying to guard 60, 90 seconds, or well, it, within 20 second shot clock on the second shot. So trying to guard, you know, 50, 70 seconds at a time, that's going to wear any team down. So like, you know, that, and, and then you're trying to expend energy going the offensive way. You know, I, I, I don't know. I Other than a live ball turnover, I feel like an offensive rebound is probably the most demoralizing play in basketball. Yeah, it's just so mentally deflating. Like, like okay, we've guarded these guys for 30 seconds and they missed. Oh, gosh, they got another shot. Mm-hmm. You know, God. And, yeah, it, the, uh, you know, Klesman had the half of his life. That first half, he hit five threes in the first half. Wisconsin as a team did not hit a three the entire second half. Yep. I mean, the entire team, I mean, the entire team outside of Klesman did not hit a three. Klesman was five of ten. The rest of the team was 0 for 10. And nobody, including Klesman, hit a three in the second half. So, to your point, Phil, they guarded well after leaving him open the entire first half and getting killed by Klesman. Uh, they made that adjustment and did not allow another three-point shot, but they allowed so many offensive rebounds and easy putbacks and layups. That'll get you beat. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I think it's fair to say the rebounding, you know, not that it boils down to any one thing, I, but I, I think, and that's why we're we're touching on it on the jump. The rebounding is the reason they lost, right? If if yep. Marquette gathers, heck, three more defensive rebounds, you know, you know, it, it that doesn't say it it automatically turns into Marquette's winning that game. But those are potentially, you know, three more defensive rebounds, three less offensive rebounds for Wisconsin. You know, maybe that takes six points off the board for Wisconsin and Marquette scores, you know, five points. That's, you know, that's the difference. Then the game's tied at 69-69. Nice. Nice. Um, you know, but, um, you know, so the uh, the, the rebounding was, was clearly the biggest problem. Though, you know, in yep. a bit of a pivot, uh, the offense... I, I'm going to say it this way, and I, I'd like your perspective on it. I think the offensive process is fine. The offensive outcome is a little bit broken right now. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And, you know, we've, I, I mentioned it briefly a minute ago, but, yeah, the three-point shooting was not there. And, you know, again, getting back to those four factors, you don't need to be great in all four to win a game. The, big, the thing you need to be the best in is effective field goal percentage. And Marquette is still – relatively good compared to the rest of the country in that area. They're in the top 40. But if you're going to be atrocious on the offensive rebounding end, you need to make up for it in other ways. You need to force turnovers, and you need to hit shots. And Marquette is still great um, in two-point shots. And, you know, before the season, Phil, uh, I believe, I think we both believed that this would be a very good three-point shooting team. And I still think it could be. But it wasn't that good through those first six games. And again, 
through six games, half of them were in Hawaii where nobody shot well from three. So I think we also kind of shrugged that off. Like, eh, they're not just shooting well from three early on. But half of their games were on some tough rims in Hawaii. It'll come back around once they get back home. And maybe it did a little bit against Southern. But, boy, nothing was falling against Wisconsin. Again, if you're giving up that many layups on one end, you need to make up for it on the other end. So if you're trading twos for threes, then maybe you can catch up. When you're 7 of 29 for three, that's 24%. Man, that's rough. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, and yeah. yeah I, oh, go ahead. No, no, I'll go take it from there. Oh, I, well, and and yeah, it. The, here's the thing, and and this is what I mean by the offensive process is fine, um, but the the result is broken. Right to your point, the three point shooting was bad, and and you could say, oh, hey, you know, Wisconsin played great defense. The truth of it is, if you if you watch that game again, not that I would recommend that to anyone, you know, unless you want to torture yourself. Marquette had open looks. They had shots. It wasn't that Wisconsin somehow unlocked the key to to defeating Marquette's offense. Marquette either on the offensive end either beat itself by going ISO one-on-one or they missed wide open shots. And and this is going to be a little bit of numbers, but just to put it into perspective, so um, there's there's a um, analytics engine called Synergy, and it tracks guarded versus unguarded, and you can argue or quibble over, you know, how accurate it is in terms of classifying those categories. But Synergy in the game yesterday said Marquette was three out of twelve on unguarded jump shots. What that means is that they had 12 shots where there was not a player in a guardable position. Consider those wide open. And they hit three of them. To put the process versus result in perspective, the national average for unguarded shots in a game is 8.6. So Marquette generated almost 33% more unguarded shots than the national average against Wisconsin. That's great. I'll be generous. That's good. You know, it that is a solid offensive approach. But hitting Take that every night. Right. You you that's what you want, right? But to hit only three of those, and again, the national average is something like eight point six unguarded shots, and about four of those get made. So so Marquette underperformed the, the make average and they overperformed the um, generation side. So that's what I mean by the process is good, but the outcome is bad, right? Ty- Sean Jones is shooting 10%. Uh, we'll give him 11%. He's shooting 10, 11% from three this season. Now he's made two big ones. Apparently he only makes really big threes, but but Sean Jones is, is not shooting well from three. Um, Stevie Mitchell is shooting 14% from three. Um, David Joplin is shooting 33% from three, which you might say, eh, we need him to be at 36, 37, 38. Now, he was maybe near there until he went one for nine against Wisconsin. And again, the shots he took against Wisconsin, largely open, right? There were a couple of guarded ones or contested ones, but they were largely open. Um, Cam Jones is shooting 42%. That's great. Tyler Kolick shooting 46%. So you could argue Tyler and Cam need to shoot more. Sean Jones needs to shoot less. Chase Ross is only shooting 29%. So they're generating the looks, but the team is just not hitting. And I guess a question to you, 
do we panic? I, like, is this, you know, six, seven games in, is this the shooting performance we should expect all, all season? This is who they are? Or is this, you know, hey, at some point there'll be a positive regression to the mean and, you know, Joplin and Sean and Chase and Stevie will go on heaters and, and we'll be just fine. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question, and I, I will say, you know, as much as I, I don't like calling out college players, the numbers are what they are. We're just reporting what the statistics are, um, and you know, some of those unguarded threes are unguarded for a reason. Like, I, I, teams have been leaving Sean Jones and Stevie Mitchell open, saying, "Please shoot that." And it's worked out for the defenses more often than not. Like you said, if you've got a guy who's shooting. Forget, I mean, forget 15%, under 20%. You let that guy shoot threes every time. Right. And Marquette's got two Marquette's got two guys who are under 15% who are shooting threes. And again, it's an early sample size, but those numbers have got to come up or else those guys just have to just, again, I hate to say it, but stop shooting threes. If, if you are below 20%, you are not a three-point shooter. Right. And, and your point on Joplin, yet by comparison, last year he was at thirty nine point nine percent, so called forty percent, which is excellent. Like, would you agree? Like thirty three percent is okay, where you're okay with the guy shooting above thirty five is very good. Forty plus is excellent. Yeah, I uh, think I think that's a fair categorization. Okay, so so in other words, Tyler Kolick at forty six, Cam at forty two, excellent. Shoot as much as you want, especially if you're open. Joplin at thirty three. You should be okay with him taking open shots. Again, he missed a lot yesterday. One for nine. That's a rough go. I mean, again, it's tough to. It's hard to sugarcoat that one. He had a rough go from three yesterday. Um, ben Gold has been shooting okay from three, but not elite. He's eight of twenty-five. Uh, he was two of four on Saturday, so I, 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 he did his part from three. I mean, any guy who's hitting fifty percent of his threes in a game, he's doing his part. But he's at thirty-two percent for the year. I, I think he's a better shooter than that. That's a guy who I think you're okay with him continuing to shoot, especially, again, if he's a, getting open looks. And when you're 6'11", it's probably very rare that a guy's going to be out there in your face that can block that shot anyway. So well, well, And, and there's, can, there's an argument to be made that at, if he's 30% or better at Ben Gold, there, even if he's not an elite three-point shooter, forcing if he's playing the four or the five, dragging his man out to guard – um, cause even if he doesn't take the shot, they have to respect the shot. Um, and that yep. generates space. So that's one where you say, yep, even, even if it were 30%, you would still green light that because of what it does to the defense. But yeah, back to your original question. I, I, I think Kolick and Cam are fine, obviously, but mm-hmm. yeah, the team as a whole, it, the three point percentage is going to need to be better if they're going to be an elite team. And we're still going to talk about this team making a run at a Big East title and something special in March. Um, the team as it is, as we're talking on Sundays, what, 31%? Uh, that's uh, that's not elite. That's ranks 225 in the country. I believe that's what the kids call mid. <laughs> they, they are just a middle-of-the-road three-point shooting team right now. Probably even below average, you would say. So, I, I think Joplin's going to come up. He, he's shown he is an elite shooter. He did that several times. He's had his heaters but you hope those are going to come around sooner rather than later. The 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 concern you have maybe is uh, the other guards, the the guys who are shooting below thirty, especially the guys who are shooting below twenty. It's got to change, or you just got to say, look, man, you're not a shooter. You you can't unless you are 
absolutely wide open will let you shoot one or two a game, but you can't be shooting more than more than two if you're if if you're worse than twenty percent from three. Just can't do it. Well, Got to find other ways to get there. And well, I, I well, think the, Stevie the, adjusted a little bit. He, go ahead. Finish. Yeah, I think Stevie adjusted a little bit yesterday because he missed one, but then he got in the paint and he was three of three in the paint yesterday. Yeah. Well, and. I, so this is this is the challenge of the schedule, right? And and I don't want to move away from the Wisconsin game just yet, but the, the challenge of the schedule is, so last year, Chase Ross was 32%. Stevie Mitchell was 30%. Ben Gold was 30%. Sean Jones was 32%. Uh, we'll, we'll ignore Omax. Joplin was, was 40%. Cam Jones was 36%. Tyler was, was 40%, right? So those are all adequate shooting numbers from three. So it's not like these guys don't know how to shoot. So there's an argument to be said, hey, they will, you know, they need to essentially, as long as it's in the flow of the offense, they need to shoot their way back to health to a certain extent, right? So I get that. But the challenge with this schedule, and I still love the schedule, and I think it's great, and I think it's fantastic. We don't have a lot of games where it's like, hey, just, you know, we're going to win anyway. Just shoot some shots, right? Like, just get those shots. We had that with Southern to a certain extent. But we we've don't... We've only got one left, really, with right. St. Thomas. Right, exactly, exactly. So we've got one game left for everyone to kind of get right. And, you know, now we can make the argument Georgetown is a get-right game, right? And, <laughs> and maybe uh, DePaul is a get-right game, you know. And even Notre Dame might be a get-right game. Um Maybe all of them, yes, but those are also all games if you play like crap, you can lose. Uh, 100%. Yes, I get your point. A hundred percent. So so that is the challenge, right? Because I, I agree with you. Like, if there's you're, – you're not going to go to Stevie and say, hey, you can never shoot a three again. But, but no. if we see another week or two of this kind of abysmal three-point shooting, I, I don't know what you do. Like, I, I don't know how – you know, because, again, defenses are going to say, eh, We'll leave Stevie in the corner. It's fine. Nobody's going to worry about it. And then that really screws up the flow of the offense because you saw that a little bit in the Wisconsin game where Wisconsin was not not as quick to rush out on some of the shooters, and so there weren't necessarily as many lanes for Cam and Tyler to go. The other thing I will call out, and it's less so about the um, – about the three-point shooting, because jo- David Joplin has, you know, if you ignore yesterday where he was one for nine, he's been been shooting at a forty percent clip on the season. That's 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 what we want. His two-point shooting has been real bad. Like the team as a whole is is shooting north of sixty percent from two. Joplin is shooting like thirty-five percent from two. So like yeah, two yeah. The- the, the team two-point percentage is top 10 in the country. It's 60.6%, to your point. Right. So, and if you removed Joplin's two-point shooting percentage, that number is probably a top five. Easy, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, not, now he's not shooting a ton of twos, but it's almost one of those, like, I, it's 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 like Stevie, Stevie, Sean, and, and Chase, we don't want you taking threes, and Joplin, we don't want you taking twos. Like, that's almost what the... <laughs> what it calls for that's not what's going to happen that's not what shaka is going to do but like there needs to be serious self-reflection by some of the folks on the team of how you know how we're going to adjust now the que- the other question yeah, you I- have- oh go ahead 
No, you had a question. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Well, I, it was. It's a little bit of a pivot, but like, I mean, how how panicked should we be? Like, are we a one? You know, on a scale of one to ten, are we an eleven? Are we a three? Like, wh- where are we? I'm a two, two or three. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you, 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 I mean, you saw some flaws in the team on Saturday, certainly, but based on what happened last year. Shaka is going to Shaka has all the tools he needs to keep this going. It's not like they're, you know, zero and seven right now. Right. They're they're six and two. <laughs> they, they are in fine shape. You know, the the performance on Saturday was so bad that Marquette plummeted from five on Kimpom to six. Right. And and by the way, <laughs> so, is only forecast to lose two more games the rest of the season. Yeah. So, like. If you're setting yourself on fire and looking for a building to jump from, I would just really urge you to dial it back a little bit. Yes, they lost Saturday. They did not play well. Plenty of games left. Almost all of them, as Phil said, Marquette is favored in on Ken Palm. But, again, I'm, I'm at a three, not at a zero, because you see ways that Marquette can lose games and be upset by inferior teams. Right? Right. Um, if you don't rebound and if you shoot poorly from three, you, you can lose games. You can lose a lot of games. But I, I I trust that this experienced team is going to figure it out more often than not, like they did at Illinois, like they did against UCLA, like they did against Kansas. They have beaten three good to great teams so far, and they took Purdue all the way down to the wire. Uh Missed a three-point shot at the end that could have sent that one to overtime. And despite being down 16 points against Wisconsin on the road, they got to within a bucket of taking the lead in that game. And I, even as bad as it was going on Saturday, Phil, I still got to a point where uh, I, I didn't think they were going to lose. Like once they started making that run, like all right, we're going to win. Right. We just got to keep winning every four-minute segment. But didn't happen. They just kind of things unraveled, and they again they kept giving up so many rebounds. But. Um, Back to, to kind of your, your your point on the numbers. I think it's important that these players play to their strengths. Right. Right? You, you realize the guys who are good at shooting threes should be shooting threes, and the guys who are good at the paint should be in the paint. And that's, like, getting in the paint has been Marquette's biggest strength over these past two years because all of the guard, you know, almost all the players, especially the guards, are so good in the paint. Uh it, Cam Jones and Tyler Kolick, even though they're not very big, they are good at getting in the paint and then making a decision whether to go up with it and they're so good at like spinning the ball off the glass and getting layups, or they see it's not there. They rarely force bad shots, those two anyway. Uh, and they usually will kick it back around and find an open shooter or just kind of reset and find a way to get back in the paint or lob it up to Oso or get it to Ben Gold for a dunk. Threes and dunks, that's what Marquette does, right? You look at right. their shot chart, they don't, they're, they're not a mid-range shooting team. But yeah, to your to your point on uh, on Joplin, yeah the uh, again I, I think the three point numbers are going to come back around. He just had a just a awful horrible no good very bad day on shooting the ball on Saturday. But again, before that, you said he was what doing the math closer to forty percent. Yeah, he was around forty percent on the season prior to yesterday. Yeah, so that's almost exactly where it was a year ago. But uh, to, to just to put it into perspective, again, the team as a whole two point percentage sixty percent. So these these are the percentage of two-point baskets for players on the team. Because again, keep in mind, most of these are layups, because Marquette just really does not buy into the mid-range, which is, according to the Atlantics, a good thing, a good philosophy to have. But Cam, 61%. Oso, 65%. Tyler, 54%. Sean Jones, 64%. Uh, Ben Gold, 90%. He's 9 of 10. 
Uh, Zade Lowry, who doesn't play very much, he's the only one below Jop, but he's only one of four, so he hasn't had many attempts. Stevie Mitchell, 76%. 59% for Chase Ross. 44% for Trey Norman. Al Amadou hasn't played, but he's four for four. He's at 1,000 because he gets all those lobs and dunks. and, and then But then Joplin, uh, he's at 36%. So, like, no one else on the team other than Zade, who only has four shots, is below 44% from the field in two-point percentage. And Jop's at 36. Um, I know he wants to show that part of his game as he thinks about the next step, uh, as he, I'm sure he would like to be a professional at some point down the road to show that he can play in the post and that he can back his man down, that he can get dunks and layups. But he has, just hasn't been able to do it so far. And it's, it's not his strength. His strength right now is shooting the ball from three and you want him to continue to evolve, and I'm sure that's something they're going to keep working on in practice with him, but he just doesn't have it right now. Yeah, and and I think some of it is probably, you know, a disadvantage to him, right? Because I, just the way the offense runs, he's typically at the four, and, and for whatever reason, when he's getting into the lane, it's usually a back down or some sort of dribble drive, right? Which, you know, I think he's capable of it, um, just for whatever reason, and I, and I maybe it's just the offensive uh, philosophy. He seems to be going against doubles. Now you can make the argument he should be kicking him out of doubles, um, but but he seems to be going against more doubles or or just have a a, a tougher you know a tougher time with those two point shots. You know, and and to that that point, he should be passing out of some of those doubles. He's got the lowest assist rate. Now these are all Ken Palm numbers, but. He's got the lowest assist rate of anyone on the team, right? So so that's the other challenge is, right? So if he's in the paint, he's not getting a lot of buckets, and he's also not generating looks for others. Um, so you don't want to typecast him. You don't want to make him a one-trick pony. But if I'm the coaching staff, I, I'm looking at his performance to date and saying, hey, we got to find a way – for you to to either generate looks or find a way for you to get easier two point buckets because we're just we're just not doing it now. In fact, I remember a play yesterday. Uh, it was in the second half, and I understand who he was passing to, but but uh, Joplin was in the uh, on the the wing um, near near the uh, uh, near the corner three was kind of backing his guy down, and Stevie Mitchell flashed to the corner wide open. Stevie kind of ran baseline. The Badger defender got screened by the guy screen, uh, defending Jop. And, and Stevie Mitchell flashed to the wing, wide open three. Joplin didn't even look at him. And I, and I think he forced a shot up, right? And now, again, Stevie's not shooting the three well. But if you get a wide open corner three, I don't know how you turn that down. So I, I think, again, I'm not selling any of my Joplin stock. I'm not like upset or mad about it i just think there's an evolution of his game or another gear in his game that he just hasn't found a way to demonstrate yet and i think that's an area where we're gonna need improvement if i had to point at any one thing it's that four spot whether it's you know joplin or or maybe we need to play more ben gold or maybe we need to play chase ross some at the four Something like that. That 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 fourth spot is is probably the challenge for for Marquette right now. Yeah, it is. But and, and I hope it doesn't come off that we're putting everything on Jop yesterday. Not because even a lot a of guys bit. had right. For, yeah, right. Because Oso did not have a great day either. He only had five points and four turnovers. 
like I think Wisconsin did a great job just totally eliminating his impact in the game. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, if if you're gonna if you're gonna win a game, especially against a, a, a team like Wisconsin, you're gonna need more than five points and five boards from your big guy, and you know four turnovers. So Oso just had a a rough day again. The team had a poor day overall shooting the ball. Um, just a bunch of missed threes, bunch of missed shots, and uh, again, the, keep going back. Nobody really rebounded very well on Saturday. So there's a, there are several there are a lot, a lot of reasons. Everybody who was on the floor had a hand in it, but uh, yeah, I, I think the adjustments are needed. But I think adjustments will be made. I, I uh, we're two and a half years into the Shaka Smart era, and if you don't have it, uh, if you don't have any faith that Shaka and his staff will right the ship after this one loss. Uh, granted, I know it's their second in three games, but Purdue was the number one team in the country uh, at that time. Uh, if you don't have any faith that Shock and the staff are going to bounce back and have a good season, a good performance in their coming games, I, I just don't know if you've been watching. Right. I don't know if you've been paying attention. <laughs> well, well, and, and really again, just you. to put it in a bit of perspective, so Marquette, like you said, Marquette is 6-2. and two. But the six wins are, you know, and again, Ken Palm numbers are against the number nine Ken Palm, the number 18, the number 43, 160, 275, and 309. The two losses uh, against the number two Ken Palm team and the number 16 Ken Palm team in Wisconsin. So we have two, our two losses are against arguably um, top 20 competition, one on the road, a true road game, and one on a neutral in Hawaii. And, you know, more certainly more so the Purdue game than the Wisconsin game. But it wasn't like Marquette was uncompetitive in either of those games, right? So I just, everyone should look outside and see the sky's not falling. I know it sucks really bad to lose to Wisconsin. I hate it more than than just about anything, any other loss I could possibly imagine outside of a loss in March, right? Like, it just, right. it it grinds my gears. I hate it. But this is not like the wheels are coming off. Again, Wisconsin did not discover some new, unknown way to unlock Marquette. I, I think Wisconsin deserves credit for playing well and doing the things they do well. But as much as Wisconsin took... It, you know, defeated Marquette. Marquette defeated itself. Like you said, you know, also didn't play well. He was fumbling with the ball, looked nervous. The whole team looked a little nervy, which I was not expecting from a, a more veteran team that we've seen. Now, this is only the second time most, or this is only the second time most of these people have played in Wisconsin. And some of these players, it was the first time in, in the Cole Center. So, you know, I, I, I get, you know, it's a unique environment. But again, the the sky is not falling. It sucks. There's definite things to take away from. Shaka and staff will adjust. I don't change the perspective on the season. It's just you know, it's just a tough emotional loss to take at this point. Yeah, and you get over it. If uh, a Marquette lost to Wisconsin a year ago and then had went on to have the best regular season in 20 years, right? And I hope I hope that happens again this season. Uh, and I, I, I think they will. I, I it's you just got to shake this off. As bad as it stinks to lose, yeah. Uh, the opportunity to climb up to number one team in the country probably gone for a little while, but that's okay. You're not going to hang a banner or put a trophy in your trophy case for a December ranking. You, you're playing for more things. Everything that Marquette wants to achieve this year is still in front of it. Right. Well, and to win, and to win a, 
Yeah. And, and like the loss yesterday wasn't even the worst loss. It like wasn't even close to the worst loss in college basketball. Purdue got beaten overtime at Northwestern. Much worse loss than losing at Wisconsin. Uh, Tennessee lost to North Carolina. You know, uh, Creighton lost a bad one. Um, Connecticut lost. Kentucky lost to UNC Wilmington. Yeah, Kentucky lost to UNC William William. Uh, Connecticut lost to Kansas at Kansas. So that's that's not a bad loss either. Um, Duke lost, right? So Duke's a top twenty Ken Palm team. They lost. So. There's there's a ton of worse losses and and it and it I think maybe it's a challenge for a lot of fans to acknowledge that this Wisconsin team may be pretty good because it's one of those if we say oh we lost to a good team we're accidentally acknowledging that Wisconsin's a good team um, and we don't want to do that um, but Wisconsin is playing in the last couple of weeks certainly is playing like a good team. They beat Marquette, who is also a good team, at home. And now Marquette has the opportunity to go play other teams and prove they are still a good team, that this is a, you know, kind of a one-off. Yeah. Not to, not to get too off top. We're probably about to shift to talk about the games to come this week. But, again, not that this matters, but I'm just curious because I'm sure many of you are curious. I wonder what the poll is going to look like on Monday. Yeah. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. But I think the only easy decision is Arizona at one. I would assume they would be a unanimous number one because the only other team in the AP poll, teams in the AP poll last week to get first place votes, Purdue had 60, Arizona had one, UConn had two. Uh, UConn lost at Kansas, as you mentioned. Purdue lost at Northwestern. So I assume Arizona will get all 63 first place votes. Then after that, I, I, I don't even know like how you uh, like. I'm curious how some of these teams, uh, all of these voters rank all these teams. Like how do you order Purdue, Marquette, Connecticut, Kansas, and Houston? Given what's happened over the past, yeah, I think Houston might. They could probably go all the way up to number two, right? Because they're right. still undefeated. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think so it's I, probably Arizona, Houston, one, two in some combination, right? Yeah, and then you know Duke just you mentioned Duke just had a bad loss. Um, Miami's in there. Baylor's in there. I mean, yeah, I, I'll be curious how, where how far Marquette will fall because, um, I mean, it's, it's not like they're dropping out of the top twenty-five from number three, right? But you know, you you know, are they going to drop five spots? Are they going to drop ten spots? Would Wisconsin like shoot up into the rankings? like even be ahead of them in some people's ballots. Um, I don't know, but I, mean, I, I can't imagine Marquette falling too far. Like, I don't, I think they'll still be in the top 10, maybe. I would think they'd be in the top 10. I would think, you know, it, it's hard to say how the, the voters look at this thing, but I would think, you know, because if, if you, you know, you'd have to, if Marquette gets dropped out of the top 10 for losing to a good Wisconsin team on the road, like then Duke's got a plumb. Like Duke would have to be out of the top twenty-five, right? And yeah. and and you know Connecticut would have to come. You know Connecticut will probably go ahead of Marquette, right? Like I think the committee's probably going to say, "Hey, Connecticut, without uh, Stephen Castle on the road at Kansas, lost a close one. Um, Marquette has lost two now, so Marquette's going to be behind UConn." Which okay, that's fine. Um, but I would think Marquette stays in the top ten. Yeah, but that'd be Kansas. I guess maybe you think Kansas might jump ahead of Marquette. Uh, yeah, that that always gets interesting when like 
you know, Kansas moves ahead, but Marquette beat them. I don't know. It, it, it gets weird. Yeah. Glad I don't have to rank it, but I'm also glad I don't have to rank the college football playoff teams either. That's even even. Hey, listen, chaos, chaos is a feature, not a bug. Yeah. Okay, so shall we talk about the games to come uh, yeah, this I think, week? So Marquette I think has two no, games this week. Yeah, so Texas and Notre Dame. Um, probably touch on each of these for just a few minutes, and we'll wrap this puppy up and get out of here. So, uh, shake off the hangover. You've got Texas at home on Wednesday night. Texas is currently ranked 29th in Ken Palm. They are 6-1 and one on the season. Their only loss on the season is to Connecticut. So, we could have another, like, a big circle of defeats, right? Between Connecticut, property Kansas, for Mar- the win. Yeah, yeah, so Connecticut, Kansas, Marquette, and Texas. Big, big circle of... Uh, competition there but again for what it's worth Marquette did not drop very much in Ken Palm this week despite despite the uh, difficult performance uh, at Wisconsin Marquette is still sixth in Ken Palm uh, Ken Palm has Marquette as an eight point favorite in this game which seems like a lot against yeah. a pretty good Texas team but again it is at home um, the uh, the concerns I would have would be the same concerns I that I would generate from what happened in the Wisconsin game if Marquette does not shoot well and if Marquette gives up a bunch of rebounds to a Texas team that's actually in the national top 100 in offensive rebounds uh, they give up a lot on the other end but um, not as not nearly as much as Marquette so the rebound this will be another game which I would guess would be many games this season when Marquette will be at a big disadvantage um, the rebounding category so but this is a Texas team that uh, it has some good guards Tyrese Hunter who of course, was at Iowa State. Now, I think this is his second year at Texas. He's certainly an experienced guard. Um, hasn't been shooting the ball super well from three this year. But then you also got Max Asmus, who I'm sure you all remember from his days at Oral Roberts, especially when he led ORU to the Sweet 16 as a 15 seed. Just a electric guard who can really light it up from three. He shoots 41%. Um, so whoever's on him, whether it's Kolick or Cam or Stevie Mitchell, they need to know where he is at all times. Um, where do you circle the biggest concerns for you against the Longhorns, Phil? Um, you know, I think Caden Shedrick is going to be my biggest concern just because, you know, it's our, it's our, you know, it's where we have the least amount of depth. Rebounding is a concern. Um, and, and Caden also shoots the ball quite well um, for a 6'11 big man. So, um, you know what that's going to do to Oso. It's going to drag. You know, in some cases, it's going to drag Oso out out to the three point line, which I, I'm confident he can guard out there. But what does that do to our already limited rebounding capabilities? Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I think. I think the. I am a little bit surprised by the eight point the 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 eight point uh, margin of uh, or, or the the projected margin of victory by by Ken Palm. But also, I don't know. I, I, I also I know Shaka is going to downplay the whole Texas narrative, but I if if I'm looking at things, I feel like Texas matters more to Shaka than does Wisconsin, right? Like if he had to say, if someone came to him and said, "You can only win one of these two games," I feel like he's you know saying Texas without a hesitation. Yeah. Yeah, well, he would never admit that, of course. Right, but no. yes, in an honest moment, tr- truth, ser- truth serum situation, yeah, you know he wants this. Uh, maybe similar to the same way I'm sure he really wanted to beat Kansas after his Big 12 days. Um, but 
Yeah, the thing is, you mentioned Cedric, who's a good rebounder. So is Dylan Mitchell, their power forward. Right. So they have two guys who really crashed the glass there. So it can't be all on Oso and Ben Gold to get rebounds. I mean, it's got to be gang rebounds, team rebounds. I mean, Joplin's got to be in there, Stevie Mitchell's got to be, whoever's playing the three has got to also find his man and make sure he's boxing out. Because, again, if, if you give up as many offensive rebounds as you give up against Wisconsin, Texas could absolutely smoke Marquette. They really could. Um, but Marquette is favored in this game for a reason. They're at home. They should shoot the ball better. I do not expect them to deliver another 24% performance from three as a team. I, I, I would hope that's going to be much better. Because, again, they're probably going to give up a lot of rebounds in this game. They just have to make up for it in other ways. They need to force turnovers, and they need to shoot threes. Now, Texas is decent in the in, – um, uh, as far as protecting the ball and forcing turnovers, but not as or Marquette is w- one of the best in the team or best in the country on both sides of that. They are top 11 in the country in uh, protecting the ball, not turning it over, and they're top 25 in the country in forcing turnovers on defense. So that's how you make up for your flaws: is you force turnovers, thus limiting possession, limiting shot attempts for your opponent, and getting more for yourself. So. I, I, I expect a bounce-back game. I really do. Yet I Again, I, I don't know if I would take Marquette minus eight. I don't know if I would do that. But I uh, I, I think they can beat the Longhorns because I think they're just going to regroup. I think they've been humbled after, and as they, I assume, have been watching the film over the weekend and as they get ready for Texas on Wednesday. They're going to identify some things they did wrong and correct it. And, I and again, Texas, Ken Palm has Marquette as a comfortable favorite, probably more than I would be willing to give, but I, I do like Marquette's chances to bounce back and win this game on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I do as well. Um, again, it's it's easy to look. Oh, we lost. We've lost two out of three games. We're we're going the wrong direction. Now Texas is a challenge. You know, certainly we've we've identified that, but I don't think they're a challenge in ways, especially as a home game. Um, especially with the staff that has proven that they can circle up the wagons and and uh, find success um, after a tough tough loss, right? I mean, last year they they bounced back from a drubbing in, in Connecticut and and dominated the next game. So um, yeah, I, I think they're going to win. Uh, I think I think that first half, especially where it's going to be a little. I, I think the crowd's going to be a little nervous, and it'll be interesting to see how the um, how the team responds. Like, do they come come out with their hair on fire and just go, we are going to go win this friggin' game? Or do they do they continue kind of a little bit of their low energy, um, you know, kind of tentative game that they that they played certainly in Madison? I I, I would hope for the former, um, but you know, the latter is not off the table. My advice would be not get down double digits in the first half. Yeah, let's stop doing that. They did that against UCLA, were able to rally back. They did that, did that against Purdue, rallied and got close, didn't finish. Did that against Wisconsin, too big a hole to dig out of. So, slow starts have kind of been a bit of a trend. The only game, the uh, I mean, they didn't, they never got down that big against Illinois, but um, they uh, and they uh, obviously smoked Kansas from tip to buzzer but um yeah double digit first half deficits not a fan would advise against that yeah and and let's hit shots we're gonna get open looks (laughs) we should probably hit them 
Yeah, so our in, our really intense analysis is score more, rebound more, don't get down big. How's that? I, I Now I can see why people pay for this podcast. We, we could – do they? Um, no. That, well, I wish they did. <laughs> no, I wish, uh, that would be great, but no. That would be super. Yeah, that would be super. Um, all right, so we, we both with a bit – you know – Cautiously optimistic, would that be fair to say about Wednesday? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think so. And, and yeah. I, I think I might be more openly optimistic if I felt like I hadn't jinxed the Wisconsin game by being so dismissive of Wisconsin. Um, so I'm not I'm not going to dismiss Texas. I don't I don't want to tempt yeah, the fates I, to be like, oh, well, let's see what happens if they lose two in a row. Yeah, I, I will share that burden from Saturday with you because I just thought Marquette was just way too athletic, way too talented to uh, – lose to Wisconsin and shock is 0-3 against the Badgers now a trend we would like to change but won't get a chance probably until next year Uh, I mean hey if we can beat them in March I'd be okay with that that'd be sweet but we'll see all right so then another right speaking of rivalry games the uh Notre Dame Fighting Irish will be coming to Milwaukee on Saturday that'll be an evening game uh Notre Dame definitely in a rebuilding mode under first year head coach uh, Micah Shrewsbury who was former at Previously at Penn State, Irish enter this week three and four on the season. Uh, one nice, w- decent win. They did defeat Oklahoma State in an overtime game, but uh, they've they've also lost to Western Carolina, Auburn, South Carolina, and Miami. So they've played some decent teams. They've gosh, they've already started ACC play. They already played Miami. Um, uh, yeah, their their other wins are over Niagara and Maryland Eastern Shore. Uh, they're 178 in Ken Palm, so they're way down there. Ken Palm actually has this as a 20-point spread. I don't know if Vegas would have it that much. Maybe they would. But, um, this again, this is a Notre Dame team that is uh, rebuilding a lot. Lots of red numbers on Ken Palm. They, they don't shoot the ball well, both talking about effective field goal percentage. Their three-point percentage is, gosh, way down there. They're shooting 26% as a team from three. Yikes. Uh, yeah, their two-point percentage isn't a whole lot better. They're only 49% in two-point baskets as a team. So th- this is a team, Phil, that should struggle to score against most teams, including a team with a uh, top 15 defense like Marquette. They turn the, they turn it over a bunch, They're, and, and they they don't force many turnovers either. Uh, they're... they're they're below average rebounding the ball, both offensively. They're decent. They're decent defensive rebounding, but man, there's just so many red numbers on this Notre Dame Kempom page. Um, you, you see why the spread is so huge. So this is a game. I, I, I we almost called it a get right game. Uh, I don't know if I would go that far because hey, you look, you know, rivalries, weird things happen. But I, I would not expect anything that weird against the Irish on Saturday. This this should be a relatively comfortable win, you would hope. Yeah, if, if I'm Micah Shrewsbury and I'm looking at uh, Ken Palm, the bright red flashing light for me is Notre Dame's propensity to turn over the ball and Marquette's absolute ability to generate turnovers. Like, there could be, there could be a, a case where Marquette generates a dead skunk with five live ball turnovers as part of that. You know, they, Notre Dame gets four shots up, f- turns it over five times, and, and Marquette rebounds is, uh, to, uh, to get it out. Like, that is that, – and, that, and that's where I think, you know, some of that 20-point margin maybe comes into play, right? Like, it could get – there could be – I'm not saying it will happen, but you could see a case where Marquette goes on a – 
12, 14, 17 0 run or something like that, where, where Notre Dame just can't get into its offense or turns it over or, or puts up a bad shot that, uh, that Marquette rebounds and, and goes running the other way. And, and they, those can be real backbreakers, especially, you know, an 8 p.m. start on a Saturday night in the Pfizer. Whew, that, that, that place could be a little bit fired up. Yeah, that crowd might be nice and lubricated by the time uh, they, that game tips off. But yeah, Notre Dame also very young. They play lots of freshmen. Um, looks like two freshmen and three sophomores in their starting lineup. Uh, they got one senior who gets a lot of minutes. But other than that, this is a this is a young team, not very experienced. And again, it's it's year one for Shrewsbury, who's a great coach, did a great job at Penn State, um, but. He's probably going to need some time to get the Irish to the level he wants them at. Um, I'm sure he would love very much to jumpstart his program with a win like this uh, against a what will probably be a top 10-ish Marquette team. But, yeah, this should be a game Marquette wins and really would be um, – I, I, I wouldn't say the last um, easy win because they're going to have St. Thomas the week after that. But not many uh, – not many layups after that because then you start Big East play two games after that because you got Notre Dame, then you got St. Thomas next week, and then you start Big East play with against, uh, against Providence on the 19th. So Big East play is fast approaching, but this should be one to get you know one more feather in your cap, maybe secure a what we hope would be you know, if you beat Texas and Notre Dame this week, you get to nine wins in non-conference, which I think we kind of circled that, which would be good, uh, not excellent or elite, but um, – very good and a solid run through the non-conference run. Yeah, agreed. Well, one of the things that's fascinating about this Notre Dame in looking at this, the data, like, they are abysmal at shooting the three, but they take a lot of them. Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not a D- Division One coach, but if you're really bad at something, I would try doing less of that. But, you know, what do I know? Um, but, yeah, I, again, this should be – I don't want to say it's going to be a blowout, but I'm going to say it's going to be a – this should be a routine victory for Marquette. You know, I, I'm not saying Marquette's going to be up by 20 the whole game, but this should be Marquette has a lead throughout the game to some capacity and, and then closes it out at the end, right? Um, yeah. You know, I, I think it's fair to say it probably should be a double-digit win, um, who knows? It is rivalry, um, but you know and the only thing. Again, it's it's the ghost of the Wisconsin game is the only thing that keeps me from saying, yeah, this should be a pretty easy win. Yeah, I think it's a um, get the freshmen some minutes kind of win, but not quite a get the walk ons in kind of win. Yeah, I think like, that makes I, sense. I, I, I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll get to the point where the walk-ons are playing, but I, I think we'll get to the point where you get a little bit of run for Zade Lowry and Al Amadou in this game, which uh, they'll have they'll get some run against St. Thomas, but we'll uh, I don't know how much more run they will get this season um, after the Notre Dame game. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with you. Comfortable win. It, it'll be a game where I would hope that the win is never really in doubt. You just feel confident start to finish that they're going to win. Again, Notre Dame's building a little bit. So, uh, cautiously, I guess to kind of wrap this thing up, Phil, cautiously optimistic of a 2-0 and week, much more confident Saturday than Wednesday, of course. But um, let's not panic too much after a tough road rivalry loss, as disappointing as it may have been. Yeah, and, and it seems a little early to have to break it out, but I, I, I think – 
the the conclusion is you know your advice from last season right like don't go anticipating losses and and experience the trauma twice right could they lose to texas sure could they could they lose to notre dame yeah maybe right but like let's not anticipate those things there's no reason to say that marquette can't go 2 and 0 um, they might struggle a little bit here and there and not be as clean or as perfect as we might like, but that's also what non-conference is for. I, I think 2-0 and is, is a likely outcome this week. Let's go enjoy those outcomes. I agree. So what, will, will you be attending both of said games, Phil? Uh, that is correct. I will be. I will be present for both. I'm I actually. Uh, I'm going to be in the box, a box, the company box on on Wednesday because there's an event going on, Oof. and then uh, then then f- Saturday I will be amongst the people. Well, Mr. Fancy Pants, yeah. enjoying the box in a suite. Yeah, Good well, for you. you know, every once in a while, blind squirrels, nuts, yeah. that sort of thing. <laughs> Just taste of high society good yeah. for you Very yeah proud of you. they let the riffraff in every right. once in a while yeah <laughs> uh, all, right. all right anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this thing up man no i th- i think we've i think we've exercised the demons enough yeah i hope this has been a helpful therapy session for many of you and maybe it has been for us as well losses are never fun but you can always bounce back and there's a lot of season to go and again Marquette has a lot ahead of it as always you can hit us uh, with your feedback on social media on twitter x we are i'm joe mccann three phil is m-o-o-o-f 23 at crack sidewalks is the team handle you can go to cracksidewalks.com leave your comments on the website we post the podcast there and remember to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts and spotify uh phil enjoy the games this week I hope you enjoy two wins, and then we can just write the ship, and everything will be wonderful again. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to peace, joy, and love by by Sunday next week. So that's that's the All goal. Right. Very good, very good. All right, enjoy the week, everybody. Hopefully, it's two wins, and we will check in with you next week. Until then, seashells and balloons.